0: Hey, we're going to be diving into Isaiah chapter 40 in just a minute. I'm going to grab my Bible here. Um, I'd like you to just right at the start of our uh, reflection time together, um, go to your chat boxes on Zoom or on Facebook. And and if you would just kind of uh, in a more heartfelt way, uh, tell us what you are grieving right now. Um, I, I know I've uh, talked with a lot of you in our congregation. Uh, I've even had conversations with some of my neighbors, and, and there's just this kind of sense of grief over our nation and, and honestly over our people right now. And, and so there's a lot of power in just being able to name that and see that other people are grieving things. Uh, there is a lot to be grieving. I know that that, that a lot of us are, are grieving the, the hateful or hurtful words that have been spoken over the last week. Uh, we are grieving the, the racism that seems to be so ingrained uh, in the fabric of our uh, society. Uh, we're grieving unjust killings. Uh, maybe in more personal fashion, we are grieving uh, the loss of major markers uh, for our kids, uh, meaning uh, they, they missed out on a graduation ceremony or they missed out on a dance uh, that, that, that is significant for like eighth graders or seniors. Um, uh, some of us are, are, are grieving even our own sin, right? Over the past week, things that we have done or things that we have left undone and we're, we're grieving that. Um, uh, me personally, uh, we got to have a, uh, a deep and, and intimate conversation with my with my youngest son on Thursday, and to some degree i 'm still kind of grieving some of the things that were on his heart on thursday and and and, and still a bit sad at some of the things uh, that he was wrestling with so so if you would just go uh, to your chat boxes and just be letting us know like here 's what i 'm grieving here 's what i 'm mourning uh, i 'll have a chance to jump on there later and acknowledge that and 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 be empathetic with you uh, because we're we're in this together. Um, the reason that I ask you to do that is not so much uh, to, to rub your face in it, but because really the people of God in Isaiah chapter 40, they know what it is like to be filled with grief, to have grief, to be experiencing grief. Uh, these people in Isaiah 40 are in exile. Um, Exile means that that their city of Jerusalem was was destroyed and captured, and they were taken to faraway Babylon. And so um, they have experienced a great deal of loss. Um, They have lost uh, family uh, members uh, to death, to murder. Uh, Families have been split and divided. As Some people were left in Jerusalem and some people were were taken off. Um, uh, Their homes were destroyed. Their property was destroyed. They know what it's like to grieve and mourn uh, the loss of things. Um, They also have this sense of grieving from separation from God. Uh, For them, they would go to the temple and they would be confident and sure that God was there in that place. And um, they don't have that anymore because they're in Babylon. So, so they have this sense of separation from God, where, where they, they kind of even wonder, like, does God love us? Does he still want to be around us? Um, they're certainly mourning and grieving their own sin. Uh, the prophets had made it very clear to them that this was happening because of their sin, because of the things that they did and the things that they did not do. And, and they're, of course, uh, grieving and mourning uh, war as this nation came against their city and destroyed their city and created so much loss and trouble. And so what happens here is, is these people who are grieving so much, God comes and he speaks this incredible word to them. And he says it really not just once and not just twice, but, but three times in the opening verses of Isaiah chapter 40. And so as we dive in here, we're, we're going to see three different voices, and all three voices basically point to the same thing. So, so Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2, these are the words of God himself. Uh, God himself is speaking, and uh, he's the first voice here in Isaiah 40. He says this, he says, comfort, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. That her iniquity is pardoned. Uh, the word comfort is, is, is kind of a word that means to alleviate. So it's kind of this word that means like something is heavy on your shoulders and it is alleviated. It's taken off, it's lifted off of you. That um, the word comfort uh, means uh, to, to lessen uh, the grief that you are experiencing. So, so God comes and, and the opening words of Isaiah 40 to a people that are grieving and mourning a lot of things. He comes and he says, "Hey, comfort!" Right? He's alleviating the grief that they are feeling. He's lessening. He's making that grief smaller by his very presence and by his very word. And notice that he doesn't say it just once; he says it twice. You know, we've talked before, uh, you've probably heard me say before how, you know, in, in, in scripture, they, as they were writing, they couldn't like put things in bold and italics and underline. And so if they, wanted to, 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 if they wanted you to remember something, they would just repeat it. And they would say it and they would say it again and they'd say it again. And so God comes and, and he so badly wants you to experience this. He so badly wants you to know this, that he says it not just once, but, but twice. He says, comfort, comfort. My people. Now, um, that, that second phrase there, my people, is so immensely significant. You, you've just got to see that this is a, a thing of ownership, right? God's saying, Look, we're in this together. Uh, I, I know you feel separated from me, but I'm still with you. You are mine. I love you unconditionally. I don't care about what has happened. I'm claiming you as my own. You are my people. Comfort, comfort, my people, he says. So powerful, right? Comfort, comfort my people, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. See, uh, God comes and he speaks peace to this people. He says, the warfare with me is over. The warfare with other people is over. And we are in this time of peace. You are now a time of peace, uh, a person of peace, uh, uh, a people of peace. Warfare is over and speak to her that her iniquity is pardoned, that her sin is forgiven. Uh, so you so just have to see this, right? The first voice in Isaiah chapter 40 is a word that comes and speaks comfort, and, and he speaks relationship to the people, and he, and he speaks peace to the people, and he speaks forgiveness to the people. The, the second voice in Isaiah 40 is in verses 3 to 5, and, and this is a voice in the wilderness, and really this voice in the wilderness just speaks to the first voice that we've already talked about. It says this, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. So, so just see what this voice in the wilderness is saying. The voice in the wilderness is saying, look, you have a God that is coming to you. Nothing is going to stop him. He will stop at nothing. He will change the landscape of the world to come to you and speak this, this comfort. Uh, right? uh, valleys will be raised up. Mountains will be made low. Rough places will be made a plain. He's going to change the landscape. Nothing will stop him from coming and speaking that word of comfort to you and to your heart. This is incredibly good news because we can put up all kinds of obstacles. We can imagine all kinds of things that would prevent God from coming to us. And, and the message is crystal clear here. Nothing is going to stop God from coming to you and speaking comfort to your heart and to your mind. Uh, The third voice is in in verses six through eight. And this is a voice that's commanded to speak. And and we've got to see here right off the top, what what this voice is doing is he's going to draw this contrast. He's going to say, everybody knows this. And guess what? God's word and God are not like that. (laughs) So here's what it says. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? You shall cry, all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand, what, forever. See, the, the point is, um, you know, grass grows and it's beautiful in its own right. Flowers bloom and they are beautiful in their own right. But, but flowers and grass, they only last for a minute. Uh, In fact, just the other day, uh, we set up some slip and slides in our front yard. And this morning, Noah and I were saying, oh, I think we killed the grass. Uh, Grass and flowers, they just don't last forever. And so the, 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 the voice here is trying to say, look, God's word isn't like that. God's word never withers. It never fades. It never dies. That means that whatever God says is going to happen, it is reliable. It is dependable. You can count on it. So just see this. If God says comfort, what does that mean? Comfort is going to come. Uh, uh, Your grief will be alleviated. It will be lifted off of you. Your grief will be lessened. Now, not always in the timing that we want. If, if I'm looking back at my own week, uh, I would have uh, wished for God to alleviate my grief on Tuesday. And honestly, I didn't really start to feel that alleviation, that lessening of grief until like Friday, Friday night, right? So, so it's not always in my timing and I don't understand that, but, but it does happen because God's word is powerful and effective. If God says, hey, you are my people, I love you unconditionally, then guess what? you are one of his chosen children and, and 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 nothing can separate you from him if god comes and says hey your warfare is ended then guess what your warfare is over and you are a person of peace you can be a you can be at peace as you walk through life um if if god comes and says look you are forgiven and guess what? You are forgiven. There's no need to have shame or guilt anymore. You can rejoice in a God who says, look, your, 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 your sin has been forgiven. Your iniquity has been washed away. It has been erased. You are a forgiven, loved child of God. Uh, these, these words in Isaiah 40 are so powerful. It is the good news, the gospel of a God who comes to you and brings you comfort. Now, uh, we're going to make a little bit of a hard shift uh, to, to both uh, kind of wrap up today, but, but also really to kind of bring this whole In the Meantime series to a conclusion. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking uh, just, just at two verses there, verses 3 and 4. Uh, but, but before we do that, I just want to ask you another question, and, and you can go to your chat box on Zoom or Facebook and, and just kind of let us know what you think about this. Why does God want to bring you comfort? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, Why does God actually want to comfort you? Uh, Maybe some of you have never thought about that before. And so maybe you just want to type in, never thought about it. (laughs) Um, And maybe others of you have some kind of guess for why God wants to bring you comfort. Uh, I would love to just sort of see your answers and connect with you. Uh, Honestly, before I started studying this and looking at this, I would have said, well, God wants to comfort me so I can be what? Comfortable. And 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 this passage here from Second Corinthians chapter one, it, it points me to something bigger than myself. It, it, it reminds me that uh, God doesn't comfort me so I can be comfortable. <laughs> he comforts me for a very specific and beautiful purpose. So so here it comes. 2 Corinthians 1, we're going to get there in just a second. Uh, verse 3, uh, Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all what? Comfort. Isn't that beautiful? The God of all comfort. Not the God of some comfort, not the God of most comfort, not the God of a little bit of comfort, the God of all comfort. Um, so, so that means that all those things that you mentioned at the beginning, Right? Those things are just a shadow, just a glimpse of, of, of the fullness of comfort that God wants to bring into your life, that God does bring into your life when he speaks these things, when he alleviates your, your grief. The God of all comfort. Uh, the other thing that we need to see here in Second Corinthians is that, that, that the New Testament definition of comfort is kind of, kind of beautiful because it means consolation, right? That alleviation of your grief, uh, that lessening of your grief. Uh, but, but it also has the sense of like calling or summoning somebody to your side. So, so just see this, when, when comfort happens in the New Testament, it's kind of like God is saying, hey, get over here. I want you right here so I can wrap my arm around you and you can experience my presence. It's like God is pulling up alongside of us and saying, hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, and I want you to know that your grief is lessened, your afflictions are less, lessened, and I'm going to lift those things off of you. It's really a beautiful definition, a God who pulls up alongside of us, a God who calls us to his side so that our grief can be erased. Here it comes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that, here it comes, right? Paul's going to answer the question so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So did you catch what just happened? Paul, Paul just said that, that the reason that we are comforted is so that we can comfort others. So, so this does two things for me, right? It tells me that, that, um, that, that I should be expecting God's comfort to come Uh, Not through a physical manifestation of God, but through a physical manifestation of a friend or a spouse uh, or even a kid. (laughs) Um, A a friend who reaches out and says, hey, can I pray for you? A a spouse that goes on a walk with me. Uh, A kid who comes and wraps his arms around me or scratches my back a little bit too hardly. Uh, I should expect the comfort of God not to come in some kind of like uh, open up the heavens kind of way, but through a physical manifestation of other people that just kind of come alongside of me and say, I want to help alleviate your grief. I want to lessen your grief and your sorrow and your sadness. The other thing that it does, of course, is it, is it pushes me outside of myself. It reminds me that God doesn't comfort me so I can kick my feet up and relax on the couch. Uh, he comforts me so that I can turn around and comfort other people. Uh, we know this, and I have seen this so many times. It's so beautiful as a pastor, right? The, the, the best person to comfort somebody uh, that has had a miscarriage is another person that's had a miscarriage. Um, the best person to comfort somebody who has had heart trouble is, is, is somebody else who has had heart trouble, uh, the, the best person to comfort somebody that has aging parents and dementia is starting to set in is somebody else who has aging parents that, that has dementia that is setting in. I, I've seen this over and over again among you in the congregation, and it's so beautiful. We know that it's true, but, but it's so important to just kind of say it and put it on the table again so that we can be reminded that 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 comfort isn't so I can be comfortable. Comfort is so that I can have my eyes open and my heart aware, and I can be looking around and saying, "Man, who needs to receive comfort today?" Um, our story doesn't end with God comforting us. Our story ends with us turning around and then comforting other people. It's this this beautiful sequence of a God who comes and speaks comfort, comfort. And then we get to pull up alongside of other people and say, comfort, comfort. It's as simple as a prayer. It's as simple as a walk. It's as simple as telling a joke and making somebody laugh. God wants to comfort you so that you can comfort others. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for the comfort that you bring to us. Uh, uh, We are comforted first and foremost through your resurrection. Uh, You you rose from the dead so that we might know that affliction and grief and sorrow is not the end of the story, that that you long to lessen our grief, that you long um, to to bring us new life and and a fresh excitement and joy uh, to life. And so today we, we turn to you and we turn to the empty tomb and we rejoice in the comfort that you offer each one of us. And Father, we ask, will you please give us open eyes and an open heart uh, to see people around us, just one individual uh, that we can pull up alongside, uh, that we can put our arm around, that we can offer comfort to in the midst of their grief. In the midst of their struggle. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, Amen. We're gonna continue by uh, stating our, uh, uh, by, by using the Apostles' Creed, it's our statement of faith. And uh, it, uh, if, if it's your statement of faith, we would invite you to say that with us. And um, if you just want to take time right where you are to consider our statement of faith, we invite you to just kind of take that time uh, and even uh, send in some questions uh, about that statement of faith. That we would love to dialogue with you about uh, this great God that we worship uh, and that we serve on a on a day in and day out basis. Uh, we say together, God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And what is a disciple? Someone who is following Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. Um, That's uh, just a, a huge piece of our heartbeat here ministries uh, we, we love uh, to, to be disciples that uh, make disciples we love to to follow Jesus in an ongoing way uh, and then uh, be constantly changed by him and so we would just really appreciate and value your financial support of that uh, you can see there the, the three different ways to get Either by by sending in a check or, or, or we really prefer the online method or, or going through Venmo. Uh, th- those are just great ways uh, to support our ministry and our desire uh, to be connecting more and more people to Jesus like they've never been connected before. Uh, let's jump into a time of prayer. And, um, and our Lord's Prayer today, I believe, will be led uh, by a special family. So we'll pray and then uh, ask you to join together um, uh, in the Lord's Prayer in just a moment. Let's pray. Almighty God, you are the Father of all mercies. Uh, you are moved when you see our circumstances. You are the God of all comfort. Uh, thank you for drawing near to us. Thank you for bringing us peace through the love of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for forgiving us for all of our sin. Almighty God, your kingdom is is so, so good. Uh, It is a place and a space where where people from every nation and and every tribe gather together in the worship of you. Uh, We have gone astray from your kingdom vision. Uh, we struggle to, to cling to kingdom truths. And so we ask, will you please break into this world will you, with your kingdom? Uh, will, will you change the landscape of what's important and, and how we treat one another so that your kingdom might be experienced by more and more people throughout this world? Almighty God, please forgive us. Uh, forgive us for the things that we have done and for the things that we have not done. Almighty God, uh, please continue to uh, be with us um, as a world, um, in the world, as restrictions are lifted. Uh, uh, do not, in your mercy, uh, allow COVID to return and harm more people. Uh, please continue to be with those on the front lines of this virus. Uh, please please be with us as we uh, discover and learn how to live uh, in these new normal times. Uh, we, we just continue to, to submit ourselves to you and, and ask that above all, uh, our actions would be driven by love. Almighty God, uh, we love you. We do. Uh, we love you and the ways that you bring us comfort. And we just say thank you. Uh, these and all things we pray in your name and we pray the prayer that you have taught us to pray. Amen.